Hello everyone, here is Daniel Budai with a new episode of our e-commerce podcast and today I'm here with Anna Brakefield and uh, she's one of the founders of uh, Redland Cotton and uh, this company is based in the US, uh, North Alabama and uh, it's a family-based business and uh, a D2C e-commerce business as well. Basically, uh, their products, they come from uh, their uh, cotton farm and uh, they make bedding products and uh, all different kind of products, really, as you will see. So, hey, Anna, how are you today? Good to have you here. I'm doing good. Good to be here. Let's start at the beginning of your story. Um, when did you start this business and at all? Did you start this business or your family? What's the story behind it? So the story behind the business, my dad started his farm in 1983. And uh, prior to that, my grandfather had kind of started his own farm a little bit, but it was more of a hobby farm. Um, he felt like the best way to teach his kids, um, my dad is one of six kids, um, to teach his kids hard work was uh, to raise them on a farm. So um, my dad uh, really started the row crop farm um, in 1983, and he called it Redland Farms uh, because the soil that we farm here is red clay soil. It's very, uh, very hard and kind of difficult to cultivate, but it's very rich in nutrients. Um, and that's how the name came to be. And I joined him in 2016 to create Redland Cotton. Um, and that, like you explained, is a direct-to-consumer company where we take the cotton that we grow and manufacture it into bedding, bath towels, blankets, quilts, all made domestically in the United States so that we can tell this very transparent, sustainable supply chain story um, for our customers. So that's the background. Um, yeah. So essentially, my dad and I started it together. I see. And do you have any sisters and bro or brothers who are also in the business or, or only you? Yeah, my my two brothers who are younger than me, um, they farm with my dad now. Um, and they became partners with him this year, actually. So it is a big old family business. My sister-in-law uh, works at our warehouse. She's our warehouse manager. So it's a big old family business. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And uh, when your father started the the farm i guess it wasn't an e-commerce store from that point right so uh, when did this idea come up and and you were the you know the idea creator let's say or someone else so the way that if if you grow a commodity like cotton the way that typically works is you farm it you grow it you either gin it like we do or you get somebody else to and then you sell it on the market to the highest bidder for whatever the price is going for and sometimes that can be very frustrating to the farmer yeah. um and that's whether you're growing cotton corn soybeans anything that is a commodity sold um on the global stage um there are several actors like china um, who will hold inventory over the market um, and uh, artificially uh, reduce the price of that commodity. Um, they do that often with cotton. Um, so that was really the motivating factor for my dad to try to diversify his farm a bit 
and create a product that he could sell directly to a customer instead of just selling the raw cotton for whatever the commodity price was at that time. Um, you know, he's always said, and it's very true that in textiles, somebody is always getting screwed, whether that is the, the laborer, the farmer, um, the textile workers, um, you know, there's a lot of history of abuse and current abuses that are occurring um, in the global textile supply chain. So um, that's a major reason why we are manufacturing domestically because we know that um, it's ethical. Um, yeah. But so yeah, it's it's really it was a financially motivating factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, so you had this farm, or your father had this farm, and then you mm -hmm. could see that how this industry works. The commodity industry and, and cotton and uh yeah but you know i think many people they know it but they don't start uh, uh making textiles and then setting up an e-commerce store so <laughs> this was the motivation right but uh, then what happened that uh, he or you could uh, and your family uh, they could uh, you know manufacture the textiles and then selling it because i think that's that's the hard part right right um and it was really kind of unique the way that we went about it. Um, in 2016, my background is in marketing and advertising, but I have mm -hmm. no experience in e-commerce per se. Um, so the first website that I set up was on Squarespace and I actually uh, did some drawings, some charcoal drawings of what our sheets would look like. And I sold about 250 pre-ordered sets of sheets off of uh, charcoal drawings of these sheets and we had our first uh product was delivery. it online sorry was it, it was online, online. Mm -hmm. yeah on on squarespace and um by october of 2016 we had our first line of bed sheets delivered um so that we could sell those for the christmas season and it was it was a really good launch for us um and we continued to just grow from there yeah so i guess that this was the proof of concept for you right like this thing will work for us uh for sure and it was online. yeah it was very um it was very challenging because the minimum order quantity was twenty thousand yards of fabric um and to put that in perspective one set of sheets is has seven yards roughly of fabric. So that's quite the investment to have a proof of concept. Um, but like you said, I mean, the risk paid off. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So that was the barrier that I guess many companies, they they don't hit or they cannot, you know, meet that, uh, that target. And uh, yeah, but you could make it. And what do you think? What is the unique differentiator uh, for your business? Why people buy from you while, you know, they could buy it from China or whatever, from even a cheaper price? Right. And what I say to that is that we are not selling a commodity good. It goes back to kind of that conversation that we were having earlier just about cotton. It's not <clears throat> it's not just a product. Um, if somebody was just searching for bed sheets and that was all that they wanted, they could buy a product on Amazon made in China, made in India. Um, but they're searching for 
this internal story that we're telling. Because um, when they buy a product from us, they we're, we're introducing them to our family, our farm. You know exactly where this cotton is grown, how it's grown, um, and the, we detail the supply chain. So when you receive a product from us, there's a little card that comes in it and lists every state and location where it was spun, woven, finished, um, mm-hmm. and cut and sewn. And, and that is really valuable to people, people who are looking to shop sustainably and locally to support our local economy here and do something that is right by the planet because just with our sheets, um, it's a, a 400 mile radius, you know, um, and to us, that is what sustainable looks like um, is, is making something locally with a, mm. a minimal impact. Yeah, yeah. So a few, a couple of questions here. So just to put this into perspective, what is the price range for a nor- normal sheet on Amazon in the US? And what is your price range? What's the difference? Man, I mean, I've seen sheet sets that are $25, you know, being sold as a luxury item. Um, where our competitors, I would say, are priced at is about 180 to 200 and we're in that 200 dollar mm-hmm. range yeah um but i mean that's the cost of making something uh here in the united states and and doing it with quality materials mm-hmm. yeah and you mentioned your buyers they are in uh, a few hundred kilometers uh, radius in the u.s so most uh, mm-hmm. customers they are actually in alabama and in the neighboring states um no I, that's just that's just our supply chain <clears throat> we have customers all over the United States. Um, we have customers in Canada. We have customers in mm-hmm. Australia, customers um, okay. in Europe as well. So it's kind of uh, broad reaching. Yeah. And uh, do you have any brick and mortar stores? Is it something that you consider because, um, you know, you want to have a stronger local presence with, uh, with brick and mortar stores or that's not a goal now? It's, it's not the goal now. Um, we have a brick and mortar retail store in our hometown. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing the people that will stop off the interstate and come see us. We've had people um, from Wisconsin and um, Pennsylvania stop by um, as they're traveling down Interstate 65 and come and see us because they have heard about us either on the radio or TV or follow us on mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook or Instagram, um, and they want to come see. And our our retail store is right across from our farm. So when you drive up, you can see the cotton gin, you can see the fields right across the road. Um, and I think it kind of brings it home for whoever is able to uh, come see us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that uh, customers, they are very happy because of this sustainable product, but also where it's made and... Uh, all of those extra things and the story behind it that's really important for them and i'm wondering what channels marketing channels you use to convey this message to them to tell them these stories besides the product that there is a label there and they can see it but what channels do you use yeah um it ranges from old school traditional media to um to digital for sure right now we're um we're spending top of funnel on TV and radio. 
and mm. kind of bringing it home for us with our Facebook, Google, Bing, Pinterest, retargeting. Um, after we've acquired that customer, we go hard on our email channels, SNS, um, and we also introduced a mobile app this year. Um, and so we're sending push notifications as well. And that has proven to be very effective. We're also selling select products on Amazon. Um, so we're spending advertising there as well. But it's all concoction that makes it work. There's not one single thing. It's, it's really, and it's taken a while to really hone in that, that funnel. But we've got it, we've got it running well now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's so good to see that you use all of these channels. You mentioned many because I can see so many businesses, e-commerce businesses, they rely on one channel, Facebook ads or Google ads, and then something happens there. Even if they are big spenders, I heard stories about, you know, even big spenders, they, they burn themselves with, uh, with one of them. And uh, that's not a position where you want to be, especially when you are successful otherwise. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's true. Um, I'm curious about TV and radio, how you use it and how to measure results, because especially online marketers, they are numbers guys. So they want to see the ROI and everything. And yeah. uh, many of them, they say that TV and radio, it's actually the worst channel to use. I see, I can see that many of them, they are, you know, that would be really the last thing that they would try. Mm -hmm. But uh, what's your approach there? Uh, how you see the return? Uh, how much you check the numbers or not? Yeah. What's your approach for TV, radio? So, um, our spend on TV and radio is very honed in to where we know our customers are. It is not broad. Um, we, we target people that we know that this American made, uh, patriotic, um, wanting to support your, your countrymen and your neighbors where we know that message is going to resonate. And that is the message that we put out there. So, um, and it, I mean, our spend comparison to some of the other bigger brands is, is smaller, um, but it's still extremely effective. So I, I know when those ads hit, I can see the traffic bump. I, and so mm -hmm. I, I document the traffic that occurs in the hour that the, the ad runs. And then I look at our, our sales for the day, our email signups, our SMS signups, and our mobile downloads um, for that day that the ad runs. And, and I compare it week over week. And, you know, obviously I'm looking for a percentage increase. <clears throat> and once you find a channel that works, um, varying your hit times um, on that channel, I think is important to re reach the different people. But I mean, I, I document it weekly. Um, and that does take more manual work. Um, it's, you know, it's not shot to you like, um, like Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest or Google will do. Um, but you have to feed the funnel some way. And I would say if you had asked me this question in 2019 or 2020, I mean, we were going all in on our Facebook ads and, mm -hmm. and Instagram ads and they were giving great results. So good. 
uh, low CPAs, um, cheap, cheap traffic, um, very qualified, and we were just killing it. And in 2021, there was a shift and it just was not as, as profitable as it needed to be. And that's when we really made the shift um, into some more traditional media for that cold traffic, um, but keeping the retargeting spend. And I mean, I will say like when you get a traditional media that hits for you, you'll see all those CPAs and your retargeting go down. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my Google revenue is up, my Amazon revenue is up because these cold channel, cold traffic channels are working. Um, but it does require some more manual <laughs> analytics on, on your part, unfortunately. Yeah, I think many people, they try to save time on this. So Yeah, for sure. But again, if there, if there is a specific customer that you know is watching or listening, it, it's, worth, it's worth trying out. Yeah. Um, and the, the one thing that I would say that we've learned is, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that are wanting you to sign like long-term contracts for more traditional media. And there's ways to get around it. You don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, they may say that there isn't, but there definitely is where you can test a spot or two um, and yeah. just, just test that bump. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And as you said, it also makes your retargeting online cheaper, right? The prices yeah. drop because you're, you know, pe- more people, they know you already. So it's not completely cold audience. So the two things, they help each other. So For sure. that's great. Yeah. Um, and also you mentioned that you could see this peak. So I think that's great because I think when online marketers, they think about radio and uh, TV negatively, it, it happens when they cannot see any bomb, just the TV, yeah. TV ads run uh, every day, all night, and uh, nothing really happens or very, very slightly increases. But when you, could, when you can see an immediate bump, I think that's a great sign. And uh, then it's quite obvious what happened. So, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. And if you don't see that bump, it's not worth, it's not worth the investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, did it work for you for the first time? Like you ran the first ad, it worked? Or you needed some mo- a few months to see these bumps? You know, um, on these specific channels that we are running, it, it was pretty, pretty immediate. I would say that the result was immediate. And then as it continued to run, it was kind of, the results were a little bit less and less. I think it was the immediate initial the customer finding out about you. But that's why I think it's important to vary your times that you're hitting, um, getting different people. Um, But if you can get a really dedicated audience, like we do um, some radio marketing where the the host of the show is reading Mm -hmm. our, our ad and giving personal testimony to it. And that is very, in my opinion, relationship building. Um, because these people have been listening to this person for so long. Um, and that is very valuable and they, they may not all be converting right away, but sometimes I think it's a, it's a delayed effect, but when those ads run, I mean, you can see the, the uptick in traffic on the site. And, uh, it sounds like you run this ad every single time with this person, right? So it's not just like a one-time shot because. I think that's another common mistake I can see 
they just uh, you know they they run an ad with an influencer or with a with a tv host radio host once or twice and that's it but uh it doesn't really help i think uh long term investments are better right and i mean the same applies to to digital media um i don't think I, you know why would we think that traditional would be any different yeah yeah you also mentioned email and sms and push notifications mm-hmm. so let's talk about it uh, as well so how do you use this channel i'm curious if you uh, collect uh, user generated content reviews you show it in your email sms in some way how how do you use email yeah um so the the service that we use um we use clavio for our email and i mean i probably have 10 to 15 flows going at any time that is very targeted to that specific user on whatever journey they are a part of um so that is running constantly i send at least three emails that are campaign emails a week um specifically talking about different products that we have um we do promotions every 4 to 6 weeks and i'm definitely not always sending to my full list and segmenting it out so that hopefully i'm getting the best most engaged audience and i'm not irritating anybody um and same goes for my sms i try to vary it up if i'm sending an email one day then my off day for my emails and sending a text or um a push notification um but trying to meet my customers where they are and how they want to receive my communication um you know i think it's great that we can vary it up if you if you are sick of emails and you would prefer to receive a text then you can do that if you don't want either of those and you just want to get push notifications through the app you can do that or if you want to shop on amazon then you can shop shop there i think i think that is what has been driven home for me this year is trying to give my customer the most targeted journey that they could be on mm-hmm. um and and meet them where they are and showing up on these channels so that when you do use these traditional medias and you're casting a very broad net that you can kind of pull them in in their preferred communication channels i think that has been the biggest learner for me this year um is setting up those channels and speaking to my customers how they want to be spoken to yeah 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 i think the radio and tv is the more broader op- approach mm-hmm. and once you pull them in and uh, you have them on your list and uh, they are online then you can really personalize the experience and it really helps yeah, and- get them to buy as well Yeah and I think that that's an that's an important metric to look at when you are running these like campaigns whether it is on radio TV Facebook whatever um to look at your email signups your SMS signups your your mobile app downloads um because that is very very valuable and I think that we we know as e-commerce people sometimes you don't make money on the first sale it's the second third fourth mm-hmm. transactions yeah. and owning that customer and learning how to speak to them i think is where you really win and make that cold traffic spend worth its while mm. um so yeah yeah i have one final question to you so what would you tell to those e-commerce entrepreneurs who have a relatively higher order value let's say a couple hundred uh, dollars so not like 20 30 dollars but above 100 maybe 200 similar to you 
And I know it's a common problem that uh, they don't have enough returning customers. Uh, they, you know, people buy it only once, even if it's a higher priced item, but that's it. Um, what would you tell them how they could see more returning customers? You know, what I think the, the deal is, is to get people to buy into your business and not just that product mm -hmm. that, that you're selling. If you're selling a really uh, high price good, it's going to take a good bit of time in explaining about your product and your company for them to open their wallets, especially right now in this economy, to, to get that sale. Continuing to speak to your customer and reminding them of the value, why they spend this money and why they spend it with you. Um, that to me is how you get people to return. I don't think you can rely on them getting one product and it being so amazing that they come back and get something else. I think you have to continue to remind them why they made that choice and why it was a good choice and why they should continue to purchase with your company. If you don't do that, I think you're leaving money on the table and, and losing your customer. Yeah, yeah. I think those are great uh, final thoughts, Anna. And thanks for sharing your story and all of these tips. And uh, I think how you and your family build this business, that's a very exciting story for our listeners. And uh, thanks everyone who listened to us today or later the podcast. Uh, stay tuned every week we come out with a new episode also i will put the links uh, of uh, anna's uh, business into the description also i will add a uh, link uh, to everyone for our uh, free e-commerce email marketing mini course so everyone can go there and download it and uh, thanks everyone have a great day stay tuned thank you